the business savvy singer. Hey there, and welcome to the business savvy singer podcast. I'm Dr. Greta Pope, and I'm so glad that you're here. This podcast is dedicated to vocalists and to those who love them. We interview singers who are working professionally to get a glimpse into their lives and celebrate their personal journey to success. Join us weekly to learn how to move your career forward. Get tips and recommendations to help you realize the career of your dreams. You're listening to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast, brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, providing online education to build sustainable careers in music. Also, Eternal Wolf Music, producing audio for every need. And Greta Pope Entertainment, for the finest in entertainment. Hey there, and welcome to the Business Savvy Singer podcast. I am so, so, so excited today to be chatting with a guy that I think is just a renaissance man, a guy for today. It is just wonderful. We'll be chatting with Michael Ching. He is an American composer, conductor, and music administrator. He is a prolific and eclectic composer, best known nationally as the composer of innovative operas, including his a cappella adaptation of Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. Just very, very cool stuff. His other major operas include Buoso's Ghost, Core of Discovery, Slaying the Dragon, Speed Dating Tonight, and Alice Riley. He's written the librettos for many of his own operas and has done so for all of his operas composed after 2012. Michael Ching is chairman of the Douglas Moore Fund for American Opera, which supports emerging opera creators. And he is on the board of directors of the National Opera Association. What a pleasure it is to have this opportunity to visit with Michael Ching. Hi, Michael. Thanks so much for being with us today. How are you doing? Hi, Greta. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Really kind of delighted. Well, good. I'm so glad. I'm delighted, too. So let's start at the beginning. Tell us about your early musical experiences. How did you start on this impressive journey? What was your first instrument? How old were you when you started playing? What musical influences were in your life as a child? Just tell us all about your growing up years. My um, father played the piano um, avocationally and um, I used to listen to him growing up and I was I started the piano probably at age seven, very very early, and it was a typical piano training, rather rather classically oriented, and um, so I did that for a while, and actually did a little bit of composing even when I was that old, and then stopped until I was in high school, uh, where I picked it up again, and. I would describe my, I, by that time in life, we were in Minneapolis, St. Paul, which has a really uh, a great music education scene. Yeah. And um, my, you know, junior high band director and high school uh, choir, I mean, um, orchestra director, uh, I really helped nurture my ability along with some piano teachers and things like that. And um, one of the things that was important to me early on is that I didn't 
I always kind of felt there was more to music than purely classical music. And uh, so I fortunately found a teacher who was willing to teach me a bit of jazz as well, how to read chords and improvise and that sort of thing. Cool. Uh, and so I went to I went to um, uh, uh, undergraduate school intending I mean majoring in music composition mm-hmm. and back at that in that day the frankly a lot of the new music was rather difficult and atonal and it's that kind of music that you 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 listen to and go well hmm, I wonder who <laughs> likes that music I mean and, and there is an audience for that music don't get me wrong but it's a it's a rather uh, focused one yes <laughs> you're polite, right polite polite way to put it <laughs> uh, and. So I think when I was about 20, 21, I realized what I really wanted to do is perhaps go into opera because opera is um, one of the places in so-called classical music where the audience is still really, really engaged. I, I love yes. the opera audience. They boo and they bravo <laughs> and they're just, they just, they just, they're just really involved. Yes. And so um, um, I got the chance to really go directly into opera at the age of 21 and I've been in it ever since but you know um opera in the 19th century used to be actually uh, very crossed over into the popular art yes um uh Verdi for example in the 19th century uh you know some of his tunes were were whistled by the gondoliers and or right. whatever I mean that the, you know people people loved Verdi in a very popular way and in the 20th century, the, the, the example is George Gershwin. Um, yes. You know, Summertime is from an opera. Yes, you're right. <laughs> and, yeah. um, uh, you know, Gershwin was a popular songwriter who, who also wrote opera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I don't know, about, about 25, 30 or so years ago, um, I, I really started being, got getting more interested in, in songwriting. And for a period of my life, I ran the Memphis Opera. I ran the Memphis Opera for 18 years. Wow. a long time. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Mass- Memphis has a, has a music scene that's very cool. And uh, Nashville was really right down the road as well. And so I would, I would go down to Nashville and, and you know, uh, uh, absorb the vibe there, meet some people. I got to conduct some projects by uh, writers there who yeah. are actually quite well known, um, who are interested in opera, who were yes. very interested in opera. So I got to work with them on some, uh, you know, operatic style projects, because um, I think every everybody who writes a song automatically thinks, well, what if I strung, what if I string these songs together? Right. You know, if I strung these songs together, I could write a musical or yeah, an opera or, right. or whatever. And so, um, and so, I started, um, you know, around then, uh, trying to write country songs. I mean, it was was fun. I did the ASCAP country songwriting workshop and things mm-hmm. like that. And I know this was back in the '90s. Uh, and I think, um, uh, I mean, you you can see that I'm a I'm an Asian American, so um, I'm not exactly sure whether the people whether people who took meetings with me quite could figure me out. I mean, there's <laughs> like, you know, it's like. What you know? They'd look at me, and I don't know. I I'd go to ASCAP, and they'd, they'd look at me, and they they'd send me to the I don't know, the heavy metal guy because he's maybe the most open to whatever comes <laughs> walks through the door. Um, and that wasn't wasn't particularly what I was interested in. So, yeah. um, and then, uh, well, about in about 2013, after I had quit Opera Memphis, um, I wrote this uh, opera called Speed Dating Tonight. Yes. And, 
it's a very popular. It's been done um, over a hundred times since 2013. And it was even done a dozen times during the pandemic in various kinds of virtual versions. Mm -hmm. And so fundamentally, um, uh, I feel like uh, the major things from opera are songs. I mean, we call them arias. Yeah. You know, that's the Italian word for it, but that's just an <laughs> Italian word for songs. Right. And, um, and so this piece is nothing but song. I mean, I mean, it's also got duets, trios, quartets, yeah. what have you, but, yeah. uh, but they're fundamentally songs because but when we go to the opera, most of the time we're interested in hearing the songs. I mean, yes. it, it, you know, it, it's, it's very rare that you run into an opera lover who actually loves recitative, if you know right. what, you know, you know what that I is. I know what that way, is, yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's that combination when people are trying to, trying to communicate uh, a um, storyline or, or a character through uh, singing, but they right. aren't singing particularly poetic lyrics. It's right. like if we were, we could we could pretend to conduct this interview in recitative, right? And, could answer <laughs> right. Me that way, and it, <laughs> and and ultimately is a rather boring way to talk. I mean, you yes, know, and so it's, it's a it's, it can be a little bit stilted. Yeah, so, so they're set they're setting up the the um. That song. scene, yeah, yeah, for the song, for the arias, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's teeing up the songs, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and so over the years, um, I've accumulated a body of songs uh, that that are either from operas or uh, are independent of operas because um, uh, to to this day, um, I I still uh, I have a plugger in Nashville that will pitch songs for me. Um, and so I have this. Uh, really um this career that is focused on opera but at the same time i've always been interested in songwriting yeah and the singer the singer part of the singer songwriting maybe a little less so uh i i mean i enjoy performing my songs in public i don't think i'm particularly good at it <laughs> um the, the the problem is is that as a as a conductor or a classical musician um uh in training you know, we're trained to be pretty repressed emotionally on stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. An instrumental training is you're not supposed to be all that flashy. I mean, you, yes. you can be in, in some ways, but you right. have to be careful about it because you don't <laughs> want to distract from your focus on the performance. Right. And so, um, whereas um, I would say songwriting, singer-songwriting, um, performing, you know, um, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to access the emotion and translate it into... Uh, uh, drama or character yes. or yeah. you know sincerity or what have you. So um, yes. I have I have issues of working through that to get to that point, um, <laughs> uh, which I think are, are perhaps combined with my cultural background as well. So, yeah, uh, that's a, it is such you know such an interesting thing that you're doing. I want to talk a little bit more about your operas. I, I just think um, that they're so impressive. You know, they're very contemporary. And they address current topics such as depression and alcoholism, social pressure, teen suicide, and AIDS. They're, so they're often short. You know, yes, they are. There's one um, work that I read about, uh, Q67, that's only 35 minutes, and it's a one-act uh, Well, opera. I've written a lot of short operas. I, I mean, I, I, it's funny, during the pandemic, I think everyone realized that the attention span really yeah. was actually a bit shorter. Yeah. And so uh, a lot of people have been switching to, to under 90-minute formats. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. And and it's you know, great... in, in the old days, mm -hmm. in the old days, uh, there's, a, there's a historical reason that opera is long. 
And if you think about it, in the say you're say you're in the 17th or 18th century and you want to go to the opera, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So when you when you go to the opera, you gotta you gotta get that saddle up the horse or, <laughs> or walk down to wherever the opera house is, mm-hmm. um, and it's gonna take you a while to get there. Mm-hmm. And so when you get there after having gone through all this trouble to go there. You, you don't want a short entertainment. You want, you want yeah. something where you can park for a while. And then the other thing about it is that in those days, um, it was sort of like center of town. It was like the farmer's market or, or, yes. or what have you. And so people would go down and, you know, they, they would pay attention when, when, it was, when, when something cool was going on on stage. And then sometimes during those recitatives we talked about, they <laughs> might go over to talk to their friend John and say, oh, I've got a horse to sell you, or oh, let's make a deal about wheelbarrows or something like that. And so um, it was it was um, this kind of thing that was kind of going on in the background yes. and, and the foreground. And so it was more like the public square. And so it needed to be long. And so, yes. so sometimes those operas were three, four minimum, three, four hours uh, of entertainment. Yeah. Uh, and it really wasn't meant to be focused on in a direct kind of way. Whereas now we're supposed to be sit there, you know, through a three hour opera, three and a half hour opera, if it's uncut. And it's really not meant to be focused on in that kind of way. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I I wasn't aware of that. Um, It it was part of their lifestyle at that time. And and I think that's the thing that that in contemporary times we've struggled with, with regard to opera, because it isn't really part of our lifestyle. I think what you are doing in terms of the length, in terms of the topics, all of these kinds of things make it part of the current lifestyle of today's yeah. lifestyle. It's great. I mean, uh, you know, uh, we want to be at the table. Yeah. Uh, we, we want to be, you know, uh, and I think particularly in the last few years, um, a lot of composers have really begun to focus on things that were are in the air, you know, talking yeah. about things, things that matter to people. Um, yeah. And of course, in songwriting, you, you do that all the time. Right. It's That's a natural, right. natural way we behave. That's right. That's right. I, th- I think what you're doing is just fantastic. Now, let's talk about speed dating tonight just for a second. Um, it, it can be adapted for varying numbers of singers, voice types, gender ratios, length of time, by cutting and reordering or transposing the keys of the vignettes. That is yes. fantastic. It's, it's such a great opportunity uh, for people to be able to enjoy the public, to be able to enjoy it, but it's also a great opportunity for singers because people, you know, there's no particular type or gender or whatever, um, you know, vocal range or whatever uh, required. It can be adapted to anything. I think that is fantastic. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those forms that is so bloody obvious that you wonder why no one had thought of it a while ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, it was commissioned for um, a music festival in North Carolina, in the mountains of North Carolina, called wow. Brevard. And um, they um, uh, have a, a young artist program of, I don't know, 25 or so singers. And they wanted something that would include as many of those singers as possible. And when I was thinking about it as a writer, it was like, well, I could write this piece uh, and it could be done once because I'd have it all figured out for just these 25 singers. Or I could make it, what if I made it flexible so that, for example, the cat lover in the piece, there's a, there's a cat 
lover. Okay. Um, what happens if, you know, she's could be a soprano or he could be a bass. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really matter. Um, and so if you're, if you're careful about the writing, uh, you can create pieces that aren't gender stereotyped. Yeah. Although there are a few pieces that are gender stereotyped. That's just the, the nature of, of comedy is that yeah. gender stereotypes are fun. Mm-hmm. So there's a few pieces that are gender stereotyped, but it um, not so much, not so much. And the, so the piece started with about 25 dater options. Mm-hmm. And this year I will reach number 100. Wow. Um, and so it's this kind of book. It's this book of options. I don't know. I, I describe it as a Lego game, a Lego set <laughs> or a Minecraft game where you have all these tools at your, at your disposal and you just use them how you want. You, wow. know, you can use, you can use the, the, the white Lego block and to make a tree or you can use it to make a building or you can use wow. it to make a person. And so um, that's the way it works. And there are a few plot lines, uh, threads to kind of keep it going so that it has a narrative through line of some sort, because mm-hmm. you don't want it to make it, you don't want it to be completely a review. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, uh, it's been, it's been quite successful. And I've actually, uh, when I, when I reach the hundredth option, which will be next year, um, I'm going to stop writing pieces for it and i've got a new piece that is similarly structured and a little bit deeper because speed dating of course is 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 by nature one of those things that you could imagine being a little bit shallow <laughs> um and, and so uh I, i've written something that's um is similarly structured but a little bit deeper and that uh, i'm hoping that it won't be as successful as speed dating has. wow that's fantastic fantastic you know we're going to include in our show notes all kinds of information um about you um if there are places where your uh, your operas are being uh, featured and performed, we'd love to know that uh, so that people can access. Or if there are any YouTube clips or whatever, you know, we'd we'd, we'd love to to promote what you're doing because I think okay. it is fantastic. There's yeah. lots of lots of YouTube, lots of. It's SoundCloud, because I have to have it all up there for people to who yeah. are interested in uh, yeah. studying it. And, Wonderful. Um, uh, I don't know. It's it's people have different attitudes in terms of their business uh, of of music about how they how much they curate and limit YouTube. Sure. Um, and I have taken the attitude: the more, the merrier. So mm-hmm. any production, anybody who wants to put their production up, it's fine with me. I mean, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So now I want to get into your other styles of writing other than classical. You are a finalist in the Acorn Theater Singer-Songwriter Competition, and you will be performing at the Buchanan Concerts at the Common in Buchanan, Michigan, on July 16th. Tell us about this. Well, occasionally I like to answer things like this, um, uh, and... Frankly, this is a first for me to have ever gotten in the door. I mean, I don't, I don't do this very often, mm-hmm. but um, it, it, it never, it never hurts. And then um, one of those things that um, you know, the music business is unfortunately rather siloed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, um, believe it or not, um, there, it's you know, there's a silo between, for example, opera and orchestral music. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm pretty well known in opera, but not orchestral music. Yes. And so, by the time you get to the silo of of songwriting or singer songwriters okay. and sort of like stuff, I'm I'm completely, you know, an unknown mm-hmm. um, outside of a, a few friends in in say Nashville, mm-hmm. um, and. So, uh, and 
I occasionally perform. Um, you know, uh, I've, I've done it, I don't know, a couple times a year here or there. But um, and so this was kind of lark is not the wrong right word because it's it's it, i take this quite seriously yes and i i believe in my work it's just not something i've um it, it's sort of i don't know if it, it, it's a, maybe a second career or or something that's I, you know something i've always been interested yeah. in yeah right and so um um you know i i read read it and kind of went okay well i'm i live in iowa i could drive there yes that's not, not too bad because my my daughter went to uh michigan state uh, okay and just, just graduated. Oh, nice! And so, Congrats. Um, she she um. So I used to drive through that area of South uh, Western Michigan all the time on the yeah. way to, to Michigan State, and yeah. you know by the time you get to Lansing, it's pretty far. But you know the Chicago area is not so far. Um, yeah. And this is kind of in the greater greater Chicago area. Yes. Um. And so um. Uh. You know I um. Set my my demos in and um. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, I think it's just such a um, an organic and realistic way to approach music. You know, the music doesn't have to be siloed. You know, you can love all kinds of things and do all kinds of things. And I think that is just, I think it's incredible. And I think it's wonderful. And I happen to uh, spend a lot of time in Buchanan, Michigan, where this singer-songwriter competition is going to be. And I do plan to attend... And I look forward to meeting you in person and hearing your music and hearing you sing and perform. Um, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I've made a new friend. I'm just so excited to have this opportunity to chat with you and to get to know you a little bit better. You know, it's, it's really good stuff. Likewise, I look forward to meeting you face to face. Well, thank you. It's been such a pleasure having this opportunity to talk with you and learn more about your outstanding work. Thanks so much for joining us today. Wishing you much, much, much continued success. Thank you, Greta. Thank you, Michael. Good news. We're partnering. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is delighted to be included in the NatsCast network. NatsCast is the official podcast network of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. It's an honor to be part of this community and have the opportunity to provide encouragement, education, and entertainment to singers everywhere. The Business Savvy Singer Podcast is brought to you by the PrivateMusicStudio.net, Eternal Wolf Music, and Greta Pope Entertainment. Let us know if you know of a singer who is having great success in the music business. We'd love to share their story and their journey on this podcast. Send your emails to info at gretapope.com. We've had a great time with you today. See you next time on the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. The Business Savvy Singer. Singer.